completely different than it was with Josie. I really didn't have any morning sickness. I would have some like nausea, but never like actual vomiting. And I could always just like eat a little something and then feel better, which was not the case with Josie. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't eat anything. Yeah. You still felt like you still felt like <laughs> Yeah. With Maverick, it was more of so they had me take baby aspirin. Yeah, baby aspirin to prevent they my doctors were telling me at the time, and I don't know like what new research is out now, but at the time they said that baby aspirin like decreased your chances of developing preeclampsia for a second time by whatever percentage. And um, they said it had some risks, but they were minimal. And they were like, you know, once you've had preeclampsia once, it's very likely that you'll get it again. So I started taking that. And then my biggest thing with Maverick was I had so much sciatica. Like I had days where I couldn't feel my legs. Um, or oh my I couldn't, God. yeah, or I couldn't like move my legs or I felt like I couldn't, um, Obviously, like Ryan would come and would move my legs for me, and then I would be like, "Oh, okay, I'm fine." Like I just, right. I don't know, stretches, chiropractic, all of that did wonders for me. But that was like the biggest thing with Maverick's um, pregnancy. Did you go to the chiropractor with Josie? Yes. Yeah, with oh, both. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? I go to the Huddies, Carlton. Huddies, that's right. Yeah, Mark Huddy. I trust that man with my whole life. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, for anybody who wants to get adjusted as a pregnant. Yes, and both of my kids saw him right after birth as well because they recommend to like make sure that their little spine and neck is in alignment from coming through the birth canal. Um, And then fast forward now, like with ear infections and things, I always take them to the Huddies and Miracle Workers. Seriously. Yeah, you don't even have to put your baby on antibiotics no. sometimes. No, no. Or at all. Because yeah. they, they, they do it so they can clear the air, so then it clears it all out. Absolutely. Hello, people. Like, <laughs> I didn't know this. Yeah. I didn't know this until, uh, oh, I don't remember who said it. I think my mom mentioned it. I was like, well, duh. Yeah. But, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Take him to chiropractor. And then also, like, and I know we're kind of segueing, but um, Josie has struggled, like, within this last year with, um, like, constipation issues. And her doctor thinks, like, she's not sitting long enough. Like, she releases some of her bowel movement, some of her poop, but not all of it because she doesn't want to sit on the toilet long enough. So she goes, like, a little bit, but not enough. And then it, like, she basically, she got impacted. And so... They were, like, wanting her to take daily Miralax and all this stuff. And I was like, I just, you know, we were doing it because she was miserable. But then I also took her in to see Mark. And I was just like, I don't know if you can do anything to help. But, like, she's miserable. And it ended up her hips were, like, a couple of inches out of alignment. Um, One was higher than the other. And he did a couple of adjustments in her hips and in her legs. And instantly Josie stood up and said, my tummy feels better. And she started pooping and things have been better ever since. And sometimes she'll even ask me to go back and see the back doctor. That's what my kids call it. But um, so it's kind of cool that like they even see how much it helps your body to 
keep everything in alignment. So, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I have to get more people to talk, come on and talk about chiropractic because I feel like lots of people don't realize um, how helpful and knowledgeable chiropractors are and how they help oh, absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, but I don't want to, let's go back to fabric. So the thing was the sciatica was the worst part for you in your pregnancy. Let's go ahead and talk about his birth. So okay. induction. Oh, like, did your blood pressure come back up? Like it was a, a little, I mean, it was closer to 37, 38 weeks and my blood pressure was just sneaking up there. Like high 130s bottom number was low 90s but they were like you're doing much better you can definitely make it to 39 weeks um and so they scheduled my induction my 37 week appointment for my 39 week like the exact day um i went in at 38 weeks this was probably one of the scariest parts with malbrick was I hadn't felt him. So at 37 weeks, though, they did put me on maternity leave. It was right after I was teaching and it was right after Christmas break. And they were like, we just don't want you to return after Christmas break and just rest and make sure that blood pressure stays down. So um, I went in, though, one day when I was first on maternity leave, I hadn't felt him move since the previous like morning and so when ryan got home from work i was just bawling and i was like he's not moving i've tried everything i've walked i've poked him i've taken a shower i've you know done all the things and he's not moving so we called my mom over to watch josie and we went out to the hospital and it took three nurses and what felt like eternity i'm sure it was only a couple minutes but they couldn't get his heartbeat to register on the monitors and oh I my gosh. And I kept looking at Ryan. And at one point I remember saying, is my baby dead? Like, and the nurse was just like, no, no, we just can't find him. We just can't find him. And she was like rubbing my arm, trying to console me. And I'm just like bawling hysterically because I mean, oh. again, you just don't know, like, I mean, that happens to people, you know? Oh yeah. And the fact that you haven't felt him and yeah. So they finally get him on the monitors his heartbeat was stable but it was just lo like slow low and i remember them saying like he is just a lazy baby like he just didn't want to you know and they did some other like internal monitoring and things and we were there for quite a while and then they sent me on my way and they were like yeah he's okay just you know feel free to come back if if he stops moving again so we can double check and so that was horrifying obviously this child has not allowed you to sleep since the day before he was born and I, looking back and i know we said we've before we started uh recording we mentioned we'll do a whole nother episode on things that we found out about maverick um more recently but looking back it definitely makes sense like how things progressed and how things happened like and I've just always known that there was something with him. Like mama gut, mama intuition is such a real thing. And I can't yeah. speak highly enough. Like if you have a gut instinct that something's going on with your baby, like get it checked out. It doesn't matter if any everybody thinks you're crazy. Like my own husband at one point was just like, I think you're worrying too much. You're over worrying. You're anxious, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, I know something is going on with my kid. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, not only your instinct, Brooklyn, you got to give your education some credit. This girl, like, has her master's degree. And forgive me if I get it wrong, but in special education and early childhood, right? Yeah. So my my bachelor's (laughs) was in special ed birth to 21 and then my master's in um, child development. Yeah. Child development. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you have this education and because you have this education, like, not only is it your mom and gut, because that is also very, 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 very true. So many stories I hear about that I, I know it. It's in my instincts. And it's like, yeah, if you weren't here sooner, this or that or that could have happened. Or, yeah, your, do- your daughter has a double ear infection. Like, you know, like right. things you just, you know, like has this, your education will, is what caught um, Maverick's issue when it did. And like, you, you know, you are probably going to make him be able to have a normal life one day because you caught it so early. So you give yourself credit, sister. Anyway. That's the goal. That's the goal. Um, So anyways, we made it to 39 weeks. We go in for induction with him at like 7 a.m. because they said second baby. We didn't need to do the Cervidil or anything like that. I think I was already dilated to like a three when I went in. Um, like 25% effaced. So I was like already doing better than I was the first time. So let's do this. Well, your body Um, now kind of knows too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was happy because they let me pick my induction date. Like, I think it was a Tuesday. I don't know why I remember that, but a Monday versus a Tuesday, because I picked my favorite doctor because he was the one who scheduled my induction. And he was like, do you want me to deliver somebody else? And I was like, no, I want you. So he put me on his um, scheduled day and uh, that's Dr. Meyer. He was by far my favorite. He's the one who diagnosed my preeclampsia with Josie. He was the one that decided we were getting her out and scheduled my induction when everyone else was like, Oh, it's okay. She can make it to full term. She can go naturally. And he was like, no, we're not doing that. Um, so I was happy to have my favorite doctor, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We go in, um, they get me all hooked up to the Pitocin, whatever. He comes in like an hour later. He's like, I'm gonna break your water. Like, okay, whatever. So (laughs) he does that. Um, they started me on the Pitocin and already like maybe an hour later I was at a five and I was like, cool. Oh. Like this is going so fast. Like I've only been here two hours. It's like nine 30 in the morning and I'm at a five. This is great. I remember calling yeah. my mom cause this is during COVID. So 2021 and it was just me and Ryan there. And, um, I remember FaceTiming my mom and she's like at breakfast. I'm like, yeah, I'm at a five. we're gonna have this baby before lunch. Like this is going to be great. Uh, not so much. Uh, five apparently is not my number because I got stuck at again, five again, and they weren't doing the pain shots, and they weren't doing um, like the gas, the pain relief that you could breathe in during COVID. And I don't know why they weren't doing the shots. Like if that was a shortage or related or. I'm not really sure, but she was just like, the only pain management option you have is to get an epidural. So I went as long as I possibly could until 5 p.m. I was at a six. And so from 9.30 in the morning to 6 p.m. Wow. It was at a six. And when I tell you I did everything, like you couldn't walk in the hallways during that time because of COVID, but... I bounced on every ball. I walked that room and they, the nurses even said, you gave it 
your very best effort. Like you're doing all the things that we would ask you to do. I would lay in the bed in all different kinds of positions. I mean, they had me in some weird, weird things. And the other thing was he kept dropping off the monitors. So it seemed like every 10 minutes, those nurses were in there trying to readjust, trying to get him on the monitors. Yeah. And so um, at like, again, at 6 p.m., doctor's getting ready to leave. He's like, something's got to give. Like this baby is stuck, basically. Yeah. And I, again, was, they had turned the Pitocin up as much as they could. Like I was on the highest dosage because he just kept turning it up thinking it was going to progress me. Yeah. Um, And it didn't. And so I finally asked for the epidural. I was near panic asking for it because I had told, I was very honest with my nurses. And I, I think that's a big part of going into your birth experience too, is just being honest with the nurses of what kind of person you are during medical trauma, during these experiences, and just saying, like, I was very honest with them saying, I need to know what's going on. I will cope better if you're honest with me than if you try to sugarcoat things. And um, then with Maverick, I, I was very honest about how my first epidural experience went. And that, and that I told them, like, this is why I'm so adamant that I'm not getting one because of this yeah and so when I did finally ask for it she was like are you sure you know talk to me through the whole thing I was like yes and so they call the person comes up I'm very honest with the anesthesiologist but she talked to me face to face for quite a while made me feel super comfortable she counted everything down she told me before she touched me anytime she got the placement on the first try it was a much much better experience as far as that goes um good my first one and she stayed yeah. much longer and she was like are you okay are you sure everything's okay like got me laid back was checking me out everything like she was just much better so um about i don't know 30 45 minutes later the two nurses come rushing in they're like there's no sign of maverick on any of the monitors I was trying to sleep. I had a lot of vomiting during his labor. So Brian was holding like a wet washcloth on my neck with a fan. They had a battery fan and he's like blowing that on my face with a puke bag. I don't know how this man had like eight arms, I swear, during that because he was like holding all these things, like trying to make me as comfortable as possible. I'm crying like, I want my mom. And he's like, I know what you want me to do. Call her. And I'm like, no, (laughs) you're freaking COVID. I know. So they come rushing in and they're like, there's no sign of him, blah, blah, blah. The one nurse like checks me. Um, I can't remember. I think I was like at seven or an eight at that point. And the other nurse is like doing all the things on my belly, trying to get him on the monitors. And she is like, we're going to have to do an internal monitor. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Because I didn't have that with Josie. So I'm like, what does that mean? And she said, we're going to have to screw a little thing into the top of his head to measure his heartbeats from the top of his head. Ryan instantly starts freaking out and is like, you're not screwing anything into my baby's head. We're not doing that. And so yeah. the second nurse, yeah, the second nurse then pipes in and says, the other option is we call the doctor and we have a C-section because we can't get this baby on the monitors. And so... I'm like, well, that's not happening. Like, 
yeah, the labor was taking longer than I thought, but it wasn't like, in my mind, it wasn't anything to where I should be taken to emergency C-section over it. You yeah, know what the I- way, right. That's not how you, that's a little, that's not yeah. how you say something, especially to someone who's like, that's, that's a scare tactic. Like she basically oh. was trying to scare you into doing this instead of giving you all the information on the internal monitor, they just tried to rush it and scare you. And that's not okay. No. And that's why I say, like, I had really good nurses with Josie's experiences and not so much with Maverick. I mean, to give them credit, it was during COVID and it was like a year into COVID. So I'm sure they were overworked and tired and they had had a lot of, you know, those kinds of issues, but still it was not a good experience. So I ended up agreeing. It's your job. It's your job. Wait, do something different. I asked the first nurse to explain it better and, you know, to try to make us feel more comfortable. And so then I did end up agreeing to the internal monitor um, about that time because I could feel everything that they were doing was when they realized that my epidural wasn't doing jack. And they were like, oh, you can feel everything? I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm." (laughs) Um, Sure can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he had that internal monitor in. I'm not kidding for maybe 20 minutes. And then the nurses come rushing back in and I'm like, what's going on? I thought we just had this all situated. We got me positioned. We did the internal monitor, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I just, I need to check you. I I need to check you again. And I'm like, okay. So she checks me. She's like, um, you're a 10 plus one. And she literally calls the doctor and keeps her hand there. Cause she's like, the baby's coming out. Like, Okay. And you couldn't, and so at this point, did it start working, the epidural, or you could feel this? I could feel like a lot of pressure and kind of like a burning sensation, like the ring of fire type sensation, but also it felt really weird and like burny whenever they did the internal monitor. And they said that was because of how like they sterilize everything. So I just thought it had been so quick after they had left from doing the internal monitor that I just thought... It's it internal monitor. Like I was uncomfortable because they had just put that in and right. that was where I was at. And again, the Pitocin contractions are literally indescribable. It's like hell. You don't even know. I mean, just picture your body, your back and your abdomen muscles being forced to contract every 20 to 30 seconds, whether it feels you, like you're being squished into a tiny yeah. paper ball. Yeah. Yes. And terrible. You, you, I feel like your body doesn't, because it's not like the natural way you don't like feel them coming as much, or at least I didn't like, it was yeah. like, oh, crap, I'm having a contraction instead of like a hill more type where like you would ease into it. It's not like- gradual. It's, it hits hard each time. Yeah. Yes. It like, so- oh, it's coming. It's there. Okay. It's going away. It's like, it's yeah. there. It's there. It's not. It's there. So I was so much more focused on that. I feel like that that's why maybe I didn't like notice. They also say second babies is just, I mean, you've already done it once. So your body knows you're not as like hyper aware to every little like feeling because you're just, and keep in mind, I had delivered a year and four months prior to that so my body is like very much so still in that mode of yeah just did this we can do it again it's fine i wasn't healed from the first time so um 
anyway, so they call my doctor and he's like, I'll be there in five minutes or whatever. And I remember during that five minutes, just being like, I need to push. Like then I instantly, like I started getting those feelings of you need to push this baby out. Like the baby's coming out. And the nurse was like, no, no, we need to wait for the doctor. We need to wait for the doctor. The doctor. I'm like, in position because he's coming. Yeah. Yeah. So the doctor walks in and he's literally still getting gown and gloves on. And I, this is my favorite doctor. Keep in mind. I just lean over her and scream, Dr. Meyer, can I push? I don't care what she says. Can I push? And he's like, yes. I pushed one and a half times and Maverick was out. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So that part part was fantastic. And then it was 6.11 p.m. And um, I just remember Maverick being literally the most chill, even from when he came out. Like, they laid him on my chest. They checked me over. Thankfully, I didn't say it with Josie either. But thankfully, both times, I didn't have any tearing. Um, or anything to repair. And honestly, both doctors said that it's probably because my epidural didn't work. Um, They said you're less likely to tear if you don't have the epidural because your body naturally adjusts the way you're pushing and the intensity that you're pushing. Um, Like if you were to be tearing, your body would like instantly back off of that sensation. And so you would adjust your pushing accordingly. Like your body just does it for itself. Whereas with an epidural, you can't feel it. And you're just pushing based on when the nurses tell you to push, then you're going to push through that because you can't feel it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, the, and sometimes depending on the person, like you dilate quicker. And so it might be too quick for your body to adjust, like you're saying. So then you're right. just going to care. Yeah. Right. So I was very fortunate in that aspect with both babies. Um, Maverick slept most of the night, the very first night, which was oh, so nice. I remember because it was so early in the evening Josie was born in like the middle of the night like 11 45 p.m she was almost the next day um and it was the middle of the night and then by the time everything got calmed down you know like the sun was coming up by the time we were trying to go to sleep but with Maverick the evening had like just gotten started and so we ate our dinner Brian was like I'll hold him you know he's content you go to sleep I'm not kidding. I think I slept five or six hours straight. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I had already, like, right before um, I went to sleep, the nurses came in and took me to the bathroom because my epidural didn't work. So they got me up on my feet. They checked me and they changed my pads and everything. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sleep. And they were like, okay, we shouldn't have to mess with you. I was like, okay, sounds great. Wait, so what about feeding? Yeah, so, again, should have been one of my very first signs, but Homeboy was not, he was just content to just sleep. His bilirubin was really bad. The first, well, ended up being a whole 12-week experience, but they said that's why he, like, slept so much in the first two weeks was because his liver functioning was just really off, and, I mean, he was yellow like we look back at pictures and we're like holy crap how did they let us leave the hospital with that baby he is 
like a yellow crown. Like, oh my gosh. He was so jaundiced. Um, but I think they wanted us out of the, I mean, it was COVID. So they knew the best place for us to be oh, yeah. was home with no visitors and like just chilling. So, um, and he was born two days before my birthday. So I also wanted to be home because I was like, yeah. I just don't want to sleep in a hospital bed on my birthday. Like I knew I wasn't going to do anything crazy, but at the same time, I just wanted to be home for oh, my, my bed. Happy yeah. birthday. Here's your bed. Yeah. Yeah. So we got discharged the next day in the evening. And so like after I took that long nap, I stayed up and Ryan went to sleep. Um, we tried to nurse a couple times. We had the lactation consultant come in a couple different times and Maverick was just, he would suck for a little bit and then he would just pass out and he would just sleep and sleep and sleep. And even if you tried to wake him up, like he just, he just wouldn't, he just had no interest. And they basically just kept saying he was a really healthy weight. He was eight, three, both my kids were. So they were like, he's fine. Basically like he'll eat when he's hungry kind of thing. You just got lucky with a really relaxed baby. And so enjoy it. Like it's second baby. Your first one was wild. Your second one's not like just enjoy it basically was what I kept getting told. So, um, we take him home and his belly was so bad that they wanted to see him back the next day for a redraw of his belly. They let us go home, but they were like, you have to bring him back tomorrow um, at the 48 hour mark and we'll draw his blood again. Okay. So we did that. Um, and then they decided that we were going to do these weekly blood draws until his Billy Rubin came up. And they were like, it's not bad enough to admit him. It's not bad enough to do the lights. Like the best place they thought still for him was to be at home with me and just breastfeeding as much as possible. But you know, we had to go for that weekly checkup. Yeah. Uh, so the so the forty eight hour one, Ryan took him to still, and you know it was one of those. You stay home, take a hot shower. I'll take him for his blood draw, and I'll bring him back. Wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty great. Um, comes back. So then at the one week mark, I took him to that next blood draw. I had, not knowing it, had a very different experience than Ryan did at the local hospital. And this is part of the reason why we don't really take Maverick, well, any of us there anymore. Um, But they took him from me and held him down on the table. And he was screaming hysterically. I mean, he's a week old at this point. And I'm bawling. He's... They were like squeezing his foot so hard to get the blood out. It was the most awful experience. Still talking about it. Like I want to throw up right now. Just like really. We get home. I call Ryan instantly from the car and I'm like, my gosh, you didn't tell me this was how the blood draws were going. I'm never doing this again. Like I, you know, lost it. And Ryan's like, what are you talking about? He's like, the last time I took him, he literally didn't even wake up he's like I'm like what do you mean he didn't wake up he would have woke up if you placed him on the table and he was like no I held him the whole time so that was when we realized that they had done some shady stuff when I took him for it so they didn't let me hold him they held him down on the table they had like three nurses holding him down he's a newborn like and they were squeezing his foot so hard and Ryan was like no they just let the blood naturally out of the foot they didn't squeeze his foot at all 
when Ryan took Are these, it. Like students or what the freak? I have no idea. So that was instantly, I was like, I'm never going to that place. Like I'm about yeah. to lose. So Ryan finds all this out and he's pissed. Like he, we're at home the rest of the afternoon, just like trying to forget about it kind of thing. Our doctor, our pediatrician, who we do still love and our kids do still go to see him, but he knows like if he orders anything, we go to Carl. Like he's the only doctor we see. Yeah. Airbush still. Um, Who is it? Who's your pediatrician? Dr. Cat. Lucas Cat. After what? Lucas Cat. Cat? Yeah. Oh, like, how fun. What a fun yeah. name to have as a pediatrician. Anyway, right. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so he he's amazing. And his office calls us. No, it was him directly. Calls us at like 5.15 p.m. And I'm like, this is so weird. Our pediatrician never like has called us at this time of night before. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I wanted to call you personally and apologize that they didn't spin Maverick's labs from today. So you need to take him back out tomorrow to get the blood draw redone. And I lost it. I lost it. And I was like, no, you don't understand. That's not. And I straight up just told him about my experience. And he was like, I am so sorry. That never should have happened to you. You have rights as a parent. Like, I'm going to contact the director of um, the phlebotomy lab, you know, I'm going to find out yeah. who's working today. I'm going to make sure that they get reprimanded, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, that doesn't make me... At that moment, I was like, that's all well and good, but it doesn't change the fact that this happened to me and my son, and I was just, like, still so mad. Ryan was so mad. He had to go in the garage, and I just heard him, like, throwing things because Josie and Maverick were there, and so he's like, I just need to... He just went in the garage and yeah. tore, tore things up for a while. So he's like, oh, I'll take him tomorrow. I'll take him. And I was like, okay. And I guess Ryan let some poor lady. And he walked up because he took him at like 630 in the morning before he, Ryan was back to work at this point. Oh, right. And um, <laughs> he took him at 630 when the lab opened. And he's like, he says he walks up to that lady and he's like, I know this is not your fault, but you're the one that's going to have to hear about it. And he just laid into this poor woman and was like, oh I, I know this is not your fault but you're going to be the one who's going to fix this problem for me. And so she ended up being the only person that Ryan would let touch Maverick. So she was the one that drew his 48-hour lab and did it the correct way the first time. Oh. I think her name was like Jenna or Jen or something like that. And so he's like, we're going to do it that same way. We're not going to do anything different. And from now on, you're the only person that can touch my son. And she was like, okay. And so basically every Dad time we coming in, yeah, for that weekly, Brian took him for, to the rest of the blood draws. We had to do them for 12 weeks. Wow. Um, and Ryan took him to every single one because I couldn't bring myself to do it after the experience that I had. I was just like, anytime I thought right. about trying to take him, I would want to throw up and get like so emotional. So Ryan just, and that's not yeah. like if you have to take your kid to go do something like that, you can't be emotional because then the kid's going to be scared and get freaked out. And so Ryan's like, if I take him and I'm calm, then he'll be calm. If you take him and you're a hysterical calm. mess, then, well, he had he some rage. <laughs> he did have some rage, but rightfully so. I mean, oh, absolutely. Rightfully so. So in the yeah. midst of all of that, 
which I guess I should back up and say that when I was pregnant with Maverick, when I was six months pregnant, um, I had failed my my uh, mental health screening twice. They gave it to me at two. So they gave me one because I always give you one like I think at the end of your second trimester and then they give you one postpartum to like compare it and see if you're doing OK. At least that's how my doctor's office did it. And so at the end of my second trimester, they gave me one. They didn't say anything at the time, but apparently I had failed it and had some like risk answers. So then my next appointment, which at that time, I think I was going every like two weeks, I go for the next one. This was in December. He was born in February. Um, it was Dr. Fleming who delivered Josie was because it's a rotation at Sarah Bush. And so I was seeing Dr. Fleming for that visit. And they gave me the screening again. And I was like, no, I've already done this. And they were like, yeah, we know we want you to do it again. And so that was when I was like, okay. So I filled it back out and he comes in with both of them. And he's like, I think you are struggling more than you're like verbally telling us. Like, I think you have some things. And I just broke down in the office and was like, I struggled really bad with Josie's, you know, postpartum COVID had the world shut down. Like I was nervous on what that was going to look like as far as my labor with him I was so nervous that if I got COVID that something was going to be wrong with my baby because we just didn't know at that point you know Um, so I was scared so anyways I started an anti-anxiety and depression med called Lexapro when I was pregnant with Maverick and I cannot speak enough good things about just doing what's best for you and not caring like I had so much in my mind built up like stigma of what people were going to think that I started this medicine. And I just really got to the point where I was like, well, one, I don't have to tell anybody that I don't want to. And now I feel like I want to tell as many people as I can. Cause they're like, well, how can you stay so calm with your kids? And it's like, because I take care of myself and yeah. I do the things that my body needs so that I can be the right parent for my kids, you know? Yeah. Preach it so- sister. So during this whole time, like I'm much more, don't get me wrong. I had my moments of like hormonal right. crying and those things, but I postpartum wise was doing so much better compared to Josie's because I, and I still am on that same medicine. So, you know, it really helped me postpartum with Maverick, but, um, eight days postpartum with him, I spiked a fever of 102 and I had the shakes and I was freezing. Um, Josie was still going to daycare so that she could keep her like normal routine. And then I could get my one-on-one time with Maverick during the day. And Ryan was working and he came home from work the second day of me having a fever. And I was wearing like two hoodies, sweatpants. I had two blankets on. I was holding Maverick. Maverick was sweating. Okay. <sighs> Let's just put that out there. And I had like literally the hood up, everything. And I was shivering. I was so cold. Um, had the shakes, the whole thing. Wow. I could yeah. I had to like prop my arms up to hold Maverick. And I was telling Ryan, like, I didn't feel strong enough to like walk around and carry him because I was so afraid I was going to drop him. That was how terrible I was feeling. So I again, remember this. I remember yeah, this. Yeah. Ryan calls my mom and is like, you need to come over here and see your daughter. And she's like, okay, she lives just like four minutes down the road. Thank God. And so she runs over, she comes two steps in our house, looks at me and says, you need to go to the clinic. Something's wrong with you. 
And that sounds harsh, but like that's how we talk to each other. Something's wrong with you. He's like, I'll stay here with the babies. I'll call my stepdad Bob um, over to stay here with the babies. You have pumped milk, like leave Maverick here. And I mean, that's hard when he's only eight days old. Right. Like, luckily, he didn't eat a lot. So, and I used the Hakka like milk collection. So when he would nurse on one side, I would collect from the other side. And so I had some milk to be able to leave to go to the doctor. So Ryan took me to the clinic and um, cause it was after, I think it was like six or, or something at this point. And so we went to the clinic, they did the like vitals check to check me in. And she said, um, we're actually going to refund your copay because we're sending you out to the ER. Your heart rate is too high. And um, we're worried you could be going into septic shock because wow. you just, and so then I'm like, oh, shit, I just thought, like, I had a virus or something. Like, you know, I didn't expect that. And she's like, you need to go straight to the ER. I'm like, can I go home? Like, can I call my doctor tomorrow? She's like, no, you need to go straight to the ER. And I was like, okay. So we go straight out to the ER. Um, and he, my second experience of why we're, we don't go to Sarah Bush anymore. Um, to I guess kind of wrap it up she really thought I had mastitis and I kept reassuring her I had had mastitis previously my milk had only been in for like five days I was like there's no way I have mastitis my breasts don't even hurt like that's not it basically and she wouldn't listen to me the PA that was on call or on duty whatever um they did a transvaginal ultrasound but no pelvic exam like they didn't physically look at my pelvis or anything they did a transvaginal ultrasound which was again one of the most probably more painful than actually delivering maverick because they go in and they push on your cervix and your uterus to make sure that no pieces of the placenta were left behind and then getting infected um i was gripping both sides of the bed and just bawling hysterically because it was so painful um yeah it was awful and the woman just came in at the end of all of it. I was there like four hours, I think. And they gave me fluids. They got my fever down. And um, they sent me home. She said, yeah, you just have some kind of virus. You're going to have to let it run its course. We've, you know, I don't know what it is. Oh, I had a baby eight, day, eight, week, or eight days ago. So you're not yeah. going to check. Give me a pelvic exam. That makes perfect right. sense. And come to find out, they never called the OB on call. They never even called, like, the OB floor, like, the nurses up there. Nothing. What? I found that out the next day. So, again, something in my gut. The next day, I, Ryan stayed home because he was like, you are not staying home with Maverick by yourself. Like, you're clearly yeah. something is wrong. So, I called my OB's office, and I get my favorite doctor again, Dr. Myers, nurse. Because I said, Dr. Meyer delivered me. I want to talk to Dr. Meyer. Um, right. Something's wrong. She instantly, it's not like, you know how sometimes you call the doctor and they're like, we'll put a message back and we'll call you and see if you need to be seen. She instantly was like, can you come to the office right now? And I was like, yeah. So I left. I drove out there. I went by myself this time because Ryan needed to stay with Maverick. And I get out there. I'm sorry. Can you hear those dogs barking? That's fine. Okay. It's okay. 
I um, can, but it's not distracting me enough to, okay. to go. You're good. Okay. Um, so I go out there, I tell him the whole story of what happened at the clinic and the ER. And he's like, well, I'm really sorry. And I know it's going to be painful, but I need to do a pelvic exam. And he had the same reaction you had. And actually he was like bright red and like shaking because he was like, I can't believe they didn't do a pelvic exam. And if they weren't going to do it, they didn't call the OB on call and say, hey, this girl delivered eight days ago. What what's your protocol? What do you want us to do? Um, Idiots. So he leaves the room. I get undressed, blah, blah, blah. He comes back in. He's like, you have a uterine infection. Um, And it was pretty severe. He actually asked me, he was like, if it were up to me, I would hospitalize you for two days and put you on IV antibiotics. And I just looked at him and he's like, but I know you have two babies at home. And I'm like, I do. And he said, he asked me, do you have support? And I said, yes. And he's like, so you won't be alone if I let you go home on the heaviest strength I can give you over prescription um, and expect that like you're going to lay and sleep and you can get up to nurse your baby, but that's literally it. Um, And then I had to go back and see him in two days. And he's like, now, if you're not better in two days, then I am admitting you to the hospital. I'm like, okay. And so I went home and that's what we did. And thank God when I went back two days later, I was, I was not better, better, but I was making improvements. So like, I still had, you know, a ways to go before I was better, better, but he was like, yeah, you're well enough that I'm not going to admit you. So, um, once that all finally cleared up, um, it was just focusing on Maverick's blood draws. Um, we did get a formal letter of apology from the phlebotomy lab, um, about Maverick's situation. And apparently the whole team went through like newborn training protocol again, or at least that's what she told me. And, um, they ended up sending us Yes, gift cards for making the extra trips out there to replace the blood sample that they didn't spin. And heck yeah. I, again, remember that lady. She also called me and I remember her being like, Is there anything else we can do? And I was like, Well, no, because you can't make it undone once you've done right. it. Like, I'm not trying to be rude, yeah. but I will have this memory forever. Yeah. Like, you'll have this, yeah, you'll have that memory forever right. in your, your brain. Right. There's not anything else you can do about that. My phone's going to die. Okay. We probably should wrap it up anyway. Um, But real quick, anything else you want to add before your phone dies? Um, I mean, no, not in this like episode. I think just listening to yourself and knowing like what you need to ask for is really what having that, you know, my second baby taught me is like getting that help that I needed while I was pregnant with him and starting that medicine and then just not being afraid afterwards to ask for help, to ask for people to come over so I could take a nap. Um, yeah. And, and dropping some of the expectations too. like, I don't know if other moms have felt this way, but I felt like while I was on maternity leave, I also needed to do everything to take care of the house. Like, because I was home all day, I needed to do the laundry and I needed to do the dishes and I needed to have the house clean and have dinner going and all this for my husband. And and it's not that he put those expectations on me. That's just how I felt. Um, And I just, my mom told me that my great grandmother used to say, pick one thing every day. 
And if you get that done, feel accomplished with yourself and then give the rest of yourself to your babies. And so my mom told me when I was home with them or like during my pregnancy with Maverick and that has still stuck with me to this day. So I make like one goal for every day of, I want to get this done. And if nothing else gets done, but that gets done, great. If that gets done and I still have energy to fold the laundry or empty the dishwasher or whatever, great. But if all I get done is that one thing and taking care of my babies all day, then I can feel accomplished with myself. Um, Yes. So. Absolutely. I feel like so many moms, so many moms struggle with, with, with doing that, like giving themselves time to rest. Like the only thing you should be doing in the first six weeks of you having this baby is taking care of your baby. Yep. Resting in your bed, resting on the couch, nursing your child, loving on them, you know, yep. like taking care of you, you know, when they're asleep, you're doing something for you. You're taking a, well, not bath, well, depending, you're taking a shower, you're doing a routine on your face with your skincare, you know, you're, you're meal prepping some yummy, yummy food for yourself to nourish your body. Cause that's important. You know, you, you're going out and getting your nails done or your feet done. You know, like you have like, yep. that's, you got to take care of you. And that's one thing, like, I I feel like now with it, even with a, with a two-year-old and it's just me and Ellie, like, I still have too high of expectations on myself. Yeah. Especially being a stay-at-home mom, like, now that I quit my job, you know, like, I think, well, I didn't do any of this. All I did was this, this, that, and that. It's like, Caddy, you literally spent the whole morning getting things done. Spend your afternoon and evening with your daughter. Like, that's right. why you're home. Right. You're staying right. home to raise her like the way you want, like you want to, this is what you want. So why you just so do it? Right. You're not, you're not staying at home to be the maid and the cook and you know, all right. that you're staying home right. to, to do mom things. So right. do them. And I just, I have found that if you get into that routine and just take some of that expectation off yourself, then it has just so much improved my mental health of just, yeah setting that expectation for myself and changing the way I look at it. And then like one thing I found that helps me and maybe this could help you. Like I just have like a 20 minute reset when the kids go down for sleep of like, I make sure, you know, the dishes are at least in the sink or in the dishwasher. If they're able to, you know, the counters are mostly clean. Like I have my things that make me feel like my day is ready to start like for the next day before I go relax and chill out. So once I put my kids to bed, I do 20 minutes of like, I don't sit down. I don't take a break. I just do all the things, you know, like I go into mom mode, like right before you have company kind of mode. And I, I gotta be here in two minutes. We gotta clean. Yeah. I put the toys away. I, you know, and so that way, you know, that's just my little, my little burst. So I don't know. I got that off of TikTok. So I can't take that idea for. I had a mom friend that said like, she said, I'm going to do this for my future self. Like, my now self, my present self does mm-hmm. not want to do this. But my future self will be thankful. So I'm going right. to do it for her. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait to come back on and do um, another, like, in-depth podcast. Podcast. Jeez. Um, about Maverick. <laughs> And how that has progressed over the last two years and everything that we're kind of facing now. Um, yeah. And how that has changed our family. But 
um, for now, I think for like, as far as birth stories and everything, that's kind of, that's kind of it. Yeah. You very, you have very eventful stories. That's for sure. <laughs> so I hope that somebody will learn something. I mean, even though I feel like I've heard both your, I feel like I've heard your stories before, like some of it sounds familiar, but I definitely have learned some stuff from from listening to it again for sure so thank you for sharing and getting in detail even when we're talking about you know enemas and all that stuff um <laughs> thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time so see you later see ya